Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Sooner Nation Podcast, everybody. Matt Hofett along with Rich DeCray, heartland-sports.com. I'm sorry to say SoonerNationPodcast.com, but that is not a real website. It is website. not. It may be a real website. Not even the title. You're right. It's not. Dot com. So. Yeah. Dot com. All right. Oklahoma rolls big over TCU last weekend in Norman. Um I know that, look, Oklahoma's at Kansas this weekend. I've got one thing that you really want to watch in this game. Uh, the come the, the um, redeeming value, if you will, of Oklahoma going to play at Kansas. But um, we got to start, I think, with college football playoff rankings. And I'm just going to ask you a general question. Do it. Are you okay with the rankings the way they are? I am not. You're not. I, I'm really not. Okay, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this segment by saying this. I am. I'm okay. You're okay because Oklahoma's in the top four. Exactly. If if they I mean, were number yeah. five, you would have been. If that was if they upset. If, if Oklahoma was number five, I would be upset. Mm-hmm. I, I think you can make a case that Oklahoma has the best resume in the country. I think you can make that case. But they also have a loss. They also have a loss. Mm-hmm. And I think you look at Alabama, you look at Miami. And if, if, if I was to make a, an argument, I would say maybe Clemson should be four, Oklahoma three. Mm-hmm. But I'm okay with four. I, I really am. I have no problem with being number four. But you do. so I, I do. Um, and this isn't a knock against any team because you can't pick your schedule. You can't pick – your schedule. Those things are scheduled years in advance, these non-conference matchups, as well as the rotating schedule of the conference when we look at the SEC, when we look at the ACC, when we look at the Big Ten. You don't know who's going to be ranked. You don't know who's not going to be ranked. So these are things that you don't really have a lot of control over when it comes to resume builders and having top 10 wins. I mean, take TCU, for example. They they weren't expected to be a top 10 team right. in the country. All of a sudden, they surge up to the top four. They have that loss, Iowa State. The next thing you know is they're at number six when they play Oklahoma, and they're still inside the top 13. So Regardless, when I look at the schedule, I, I get that those aren't things that – or there are a lot of things that are out of your control as a program, as a coach, as an athletic director. However, those are things that have to be considered when deciding who gets into the college playoff and who doesn't. And my problem comes with the SEC and Alabama. Miami has wins – over Notre Dame and Auburn. Why does Alabama get the nod over an unbeaten Miami for beating Mississippi State? It doesn't make a lot of sense you know, to me. I, I get it, and they struggle with Mississippi State. I mean, I get that. But again, I, I don't my, – my question is this. Does it matter it, – Basketball season started, okay? So basketball season mm-hmm. underway, Oklahoma 2-0. We may talk about that just a little bit. But if, if right now I'm telling you, hey, March comes around and OU is going to be a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. Now, we know that's not realistic, but for this argument, OU is going to be a top four seed. Now, the other top four seeds, they're going to be number four. Does it matter? As long as you're top four, does it's, it matter? It's different, Matt. No, it's not. Because that, that's a field of 68. This is a field of but four. But what I'm saying is it's final four. I mean, it's final four. You have a Here, shot at here's, here's what I'm getting at, okay? When I look at the rankings, this is the reason I'm upset with Oklahoma. 
is because you're upset with Oklahoma. You're upset where Oklahoma's I'm upset ranked. where Oklahoma's ranked. Okay, gotcha. Okay. I'm upset with where the committee has placed Oklahoma because they're the first team out. When I'm looking at the rankings, Wisconsin's knocking on the door. What happens when they run the table? Do they get bumped out? Even though, sure, you can argue for Clemson saying that here's a Clemson team who has X amount of wins over over ranked opponents. The other side of that is here's Oklahoma who has three wins over top ten opponents. They're not just random and yeah, mixed but, in the but, 25. So I'm saying I, I would like to see Oklahoma at number three. Because that Wisconsin team and the way that they're playing defense right now scares me when it comes to the top four. If they run the table, how do you how do you disclude them? You Look, can't. But if, if Wisconsin runs the table, that means they're going to beat Ohio State in the mm-hmm. Big Ten championship game, which would finally give them a win over a top 25 program. And I get it. Uh, Iowa was top 25 last weekend. And so but te- were they? No, they weren't, but on paper they were. So technically, that gives Wisconsin a uh, win over a top 25 program. If, if you go through undefeated, you're in. I mean, there's just nothing you can do about it. If you want to get mad about that, go back and don't lose to Iowa State. At, yeah. that, at that point, I think it becomes uh, between Oklahoma and Clemson, mm-hmm. right? And then you begin to compare resumes. And you begin to compare conferences, and I, I'll take the big the Big Twelve top five over ACC top five. I'll take road wins at Oklahoma State, road wins in Columbus, uh, Ohio. I'll take a win over number six TCU at home. Three wins over top ten programs. Clemson can't do that. At the end of the day, bottom line is if Oklahoma takes care of business, they beat Kansas, which they're going to on Saturday. They beat West Virginia at home to close the season. They win the Big 12 championship, which, by the way, most likely is going to be against another top 10 team, be it Oklahoma State or TCU. It's going to be another top 10 matchup. So if they win the Big 12 championship, that's four wins over top 10 programs. There's no way Clemson beats Oklahoma out on that. So my point is you're in. Just win out and you're in. And at that point, if whether you're one, two, three, or four, you you know the old cliche in sports: to be the best, you got to beat the best, mm-hmm. right? So does it matter if maybe they're looking, they're staring down Alabama in the first round? Hey, you got to beat Alabama one way or the other, right? right. If you want to win it all, you got to beat Alabama. And the the reality, I would prefer I would prefer to be three so I can play Wisconsin because I think if Wisconsin goes through, they'll they'll be number two. I would even play Miami because I want Alabama in the championship, just the whole, you know, the, the grand stage. But the reality is it doesn't matter. You've got to be able to beat. To win this championship, you're going to have to be able to beat both probably Alabama and uh, Miami. I don't think, by the way, I don't think Wisconsin is going to win the Big Ten championship. That's just me. But uh, I'm, I'm okay because you're top four. You're going to stay top four unless you stub your toe. That's my, that's my point. I, I understand where you're coming from, but we do have to look at the rankings, and we do have to react to those. Well, and so regardless of the scenarios that could potentially play out, if I'm sitting in that room, maybe this is the homer, but if I'm sitting in that room with the committee, there's no way that I, I can put Oklahoma as four. I thought that they were going to be number two. Yeah, you were way off on that. No. Nah. Yeah, you just will. two spots. <laughs> That's not way off. I mean, they, they do. I, again, they, they have a good – here's why I didn't think they would be number two. And I don't know if you remember when you sent me that message. I was like, okay. Because you have two undefeated teams. You do. And you're not going to pass bypass an undefeated team. You're just not going to do it. And so when, when you look at Miami coming off a big win, you, Alabama being who they are, just name only, um, you know. It, I mean – Matt, there's a big flaw with your statement. Well, tell me what Wisconsin. But Wisconsin hasn't played anybody. But they're undefeated. No, but listen, they haven't played anybody, and and Wisconsin doesn't have that. But here's what I said. Miami's off the big win over Notre Dame. They just shellacked Notre Dame. Alabama's Alabama. I mean, it's they are – just the A on the helmet means they're, they're in. You know, even if they lose one game, they're in if they win the SEC because they're Alabama – and you can make the same argument for Oklahoma. Wisconsin does not have that. Can we play out a scenario since we're talking about Alabama? Sure. Um, I feel as though a lot of people, because of the exact reason you stated, the name on the jersey 
get you into the playoff. Right. What happens I mean, if... You have to have a resume, but... I, I get that. But an undefeated Alabama and an SEC that has perennially been the top conference in the nation, it, it's difficult to say an SEC team is out. Right. What happens if Alabama loses this Iron weekend? Bowl. A, does a two-loss Alab- or Auburn team? I don't think so. I don't think could, so. Could they jump yeah. Alabama? Because well, I, I here's, think it puts Georgia back in the mix more than it does well, here's, put Auburn in the mix. It puts Auburn in control of the West or the yeah the West. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think I don't think a two loss as it narrows down. I don't see a two loss team getting in. I, I really okay. don't because that's, that's why I'm asking. Yeah, I just, when, and, and 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 I know guys like Paul Feinbaum would just go insane. Let me let me give you let me kind of parallel this to the Big Twelve, right? Mm-hmm. If everybody wins out, then it's going to be Oklahoma and TCU in a rematch in in Arlington, Texas, for the Big Twelve championship. That's just the way it's going to be. I think Oklahoma State, even though they lost to TCU, I think Oklahoma State is the second best team in the Big Twelve. I do, but they're not going to make it unless TCU loses to Texas Tech. Did you put that on your? On your power rankings? Is that I'm in not, writing? I'm not going to reveal that to the power <laughs> rankings come out tonight. But I do – I mean, I think they are. I, I, I look at that and I think, yeah, they're – let me ask you, put it this way. As an Oklahoma fan, which we unashamedly are, we try our best to be biased, but we're fans, who would you rather play in Arlington, Texas? Would you rather play TCU again or would you rather have, another, uh, have Oklahoma State again? Based off the performance, is absolutely TCU. Exactly. Why? Because Oklahoma State, we feel, is better than TCU. I feel better. Better is a term that you could use to qualify that. I would just say more dangerous. So yeah, better. It's just another way of stating that. I was going to refute you, but I have nothing to stand on. <laughs> needless to say. Um, okay. So so the rankings are what they are. There's still a lot of football left. You know, there's two regular season weeks. There's the, the championship games, which which again, I still don't. I, I the Big Twelve championship game is just stupid. Do you do you feel that way? It is, and it will be until there's there's twelve teams. I'm not saying. Well, even with ten teams, you you can't have a division because there's not enough teams to play an entire schedule and warrant divisions. You're going to play all 10 teams regardless. That's, that's I, it, it is stupid. And the, we know the whole reason that Bob Bowl, Bowlesby as the Big 12 commissioner has reinstated or has really included the Big 12 championship game. It's It goes back to the year when Oklahoma – not Oklahoma – when the Big 12 coined their phrase, their tagline, one true champion, and didn't, then couldn't come up with one. It spawns from that, knowing that, okay, we may have a tie that we can't break. So here's our way of including a tiebreaker. Essentially, that's what it is to me. It was included yeah, for the tiebreaker. It's an, it, the, mm-hmm. the only way I'm okay with this, the, the only way I'm okay with it, and by the way, I think OU's going to win. I mean, I think OU's going to – would you you'd be a fool to bet against Baker Mayfield at this point. You'd be a fool. I mean, circuit Tim Tebow 2008. You know, you just – you would be a fool to make that wager. But the only way this makes sense to me is if they say – if they were just to come out and say, yes, this is the groundwork to add two more teams and go back to divisions. Why have they not done that? I don't know. There, there are teams who have been – programs who have been interested. They, they, the Big 12 either has to say one of two things. I, I believe – I mean, just – we're not stupid. Come out and say, yeah, this is the groundwork to add two more teams and then go back to two divisions. Or, hey, guys, we're just going to shoot you straight. This is a big cash grab. We don't care what it costs us. We don't care what we gain out of it. This is just a big cash grab. And how crazy is it that a knee-jerk reaction because the Big 12 would not announce either Baylor or TCU as the, quote, one true champion – how crazy the meat and knee-jerk reaction based off of that could potentially cost the Big 12 another playoff chance if Oklahoma loses. Because I just said, a two-loss team isn't getting in. And I think the only chance for the Big 12 is for Oklahoma to win out. If Oklahoma doesn't win out, Big 12 will be shut out of the playoff again this year. Thoughts? I can, 
I completely agree with you. When we look at, I, I just went ahead and I Googled um, Big 12 expansion. And of course, it pulls up all kinds of arguments, whether they should, whether they shouldn't, why they haven't at this point, what they're waiting on. All of these are obviously different ideas. And we're going to be left essentially guessing at what the real reasons are that expansion hasn't happened but I can guarantee, almost guarantee, it has something to do with Texas and, has a, lot to and do a TV with Texas. agreement. Has a lot to do with Texas. And and the Big Twelve the Big Twelve has burned bridges with this. They've burned bridges with Houston, they've burned bridges with BYU. And so if you do come around and you want to expand, how do you start that conversation? Hey, uh, listen, Houston, uh, BYU, you know, uh, we, we know we hosed you guys over a couple years ago, but we're wanting to know, could you please put together another proposal to jump in the Big 12? I'm saying, I'm going to tell Bolsey to just to go, you know what? Well, because I want no part of that. Speaking of independence, I think something's coming to a head because you see Notre Dame, a one-loss team, They've got USC left on their schedule to really make a statement. But ultimately... Is USC making a no, statement? No, they're not, but apparently it was. Yeah, let me tell you something that just... just Sorry, not they don't have USC. They have Stanford left on their schedule. Bryce to, Love, man. That's to your make boy. a statement. Bryce Love. Notre Dame's only claim to fame this year has been the win over USC. You know, I, I saw something the other day that just... And, and, and you know, I don't know. Matt... Here, here. I go back and forth. I saw because USC and, and, uh, and UCLA are coming up. And it was the battle for Los Angeles and the number one overall number one pick in the NFL draft. Let me tell you something. If you're an NFL exec, you're you're a you're one of those talent scouts, and you say, Well, Josh Rosen beat Sam Darnold, so let's pick him number one. You need to be fired. I mean you just yeah, I mean it, do, do people really buy into that? Why? I just man, it just drives me nuts. Ohio State just gets throttled, right, by Iowa. They come back and they beat Michigan State. Now all of a sudden, Ohio State, a two-loss team, and both of their losses aren't even close. Well, let's start talking about them as a playoff possibility. Mm -hmm. Who wants to play Ohio State in the playoff? I saw it. No one wants Ohio State in the playoff. Excuse me. Yes, we do. We'll take them. If I can sign up to play Ohio State right now in the playoff, I'm there. Because I think playing Ohio State is a guaranteed ticket to the championship game. But in that same, in that same breath, guess who we're talking about for the Heisman Trophy now? I mean, just you, you, you can't go by wins and losses every week. One week he's in because they win. One week he's out because they lose. And – if you want a if you want a prototypical NFL quarterback body, take Sam Darnold, take take Rosen, but be prepared to turn the ball over a whole lot because that has become the theme with both of these guys. Mm -hmm. Hey, well they won, but they only threw you know they won because they only threw two interceptions or they threw four interceptions again, so they lost. It's it's ridiculous how the media try and I get it. You have to you you got to turn eyeballs in, but the LA market is a big enough market that they're going to have a lot of eyeballs on that game without trying to throw this stuff out there. If, if Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen are still your options at number one, I'm questioning my talent scouts because there are other guys. I'd take the guy from Wyoming over those two guys. I'm just saying. I'm just sorry. I, I went down a rabbit hole. I was angry. Thank you for your patience. Everybody on Facebook Live just saw you yawn. Am I boring you, Rich Craig? <laughs> You're not boring me. It's been a long day, man. It's been a long okay. day. Okay, Baker Mayfield has he sewn up the Heisman race? Uh, uh, at this point in time, I, it's it's hard for me to say no. And here's it's hard for you to say no. Okay, it's hard for me to say no. He, no, he has, has it. it. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and here's why: is you look at the numbers, he's in the top three in literally every statistical category. When you look at his career passer rating, I know the Heisman is not a career award. However, it has leaned towards that in the past. Um, I look at a guy like Deshaun Watson, who a turnover machine. Yes, they win the national championship. Yes, he wins the Heisman. Was that two years ago? Yeah. And then you had Lamar Jackson last, last year. Right. Needless to say, Baker Mayfield, what he's doing on the field, unquestionably is the, the best football player of the year. Unquestionable. Okay, I'm going to go. 
here, here's what I'm going to do. Don't cheat. I'm going to go only by QBR, quarterback rating, mm-hmm. because we can talk about yards, we can talk about completions, touchdowns, interceptions, but QBR kind of encompasses all that, okay? Top four QBR quarterbacks in the country. Go. I would say, obviously, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's number two. I think you would have, um, what's his name? That one guy. Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph's number three. Okay, I think you would have... Um, I think you can get three of the four easy. Yeah, you think so? But there's one that I think you might struggle you with. You think so? I think. Are you going to tell me um, Jalen Hurts? No. Okay. No. Shoot, no. you had me scared hey, for just a little Jaylen bit. Jalen Hurts is number eight. You had me scared yeah, yeah. for a little bit. Um, Matt, I, I don't even know where to go okay. with the uh, other two. Who won the Heisman Trophy last year? Lamar Jackson. He's number four. Okay. And then you got Khalil Tate from Arizona at number okay. one. Now, I think when you look at that, those four guys, they they could make a case for the Heisman, right? But here's the thing. Khalil Tate has a total QBR of 96.5, which is incredible. Just incredible. But Baker is right behind him at 92.7. And then everyone else makes it off 86.8. Lamar Jackson, 85.6. I mean, you, you go all the way down to Hurts. Jalen Hurts is 79.7. And you know who I don't see? Let me make sure here. Let me make sure I'm, I'm not lying to you. You know who I don't see in the top 25 here in QBR? Yeah, the L.A. schools. Well, Sam Darnold is at number 22. I don't see Chosen Rosen anywhere. I'm, I'm making sure I'm not lying on this. So why are we talking about these guys? Matt, it, it is what, what you've already stated. They are prototypical size. They have this skill set. And these mistakes that you're seeing are believed to be coachable. Um, we see that all the time, though. We saw a guy like Jamarcus Russell taking okay. number one overall in the draft plus, plus, because plus, of his arm plus. strength, because I, of what I he found, could do. I found uh, Josh Rosen. Uh-huh, 85? No, that's only goes through 50. Oh, shoot. That's way down there, dude. Only goes way to down 50. there. Guess where? Guess I, don't, where? I don't know if he's... The battle for the number one pick in the NFL it, draft. Chosen Rosen checks in QBR at... Number 50. 44. <laughs> I mean, 44. You, you, you led QBR, me astray. QBR of 63.7. And we're talking about this guy in the Heisman race and the overall number one pick. I, I've made my piece about, about Mason Rudolph. And I know Mason Rudolph has the propensity to make some rash decisions when pressure's on. But I, I still stick to my guns that Mason Rudolph is the most draft-eligible quarterback in the Big 12. He may be in the country. I mean, at least his QBR is in the high 80s. But I think Baker Mayfield's starting to make himself the case. And the more, the more people compare him to Drew Brees, the better that is for Baker Mayfield. Point is... He's- what? I was going to say, I did read a description of Baker Mayfield after some analysts had watched him play. Um, and it was one, everyone mentions being impressed with his arm strength. But two, they talk about his overall size. Um, height wise, sure, Baker Mayfield's lacking, comparatively lacking. Is he a short person culturally? <laughs> Not so much. But the reality is, you're looking for those 6'4 range type guys. Whereas Baker Mayfield, this was the other half of the description, was that he fits the mold of an all Big 12 running back. And how many times have you seen Baker Mayfield tuck the ball and run towards the sideline? And when he gets there, he is met by a defender who pops him and falls to the ground. And Baker Mayfield standing over him looking down. How many times have you seen that happen? I think these are those are two things that impress is one his durability, his ability to play through any injury that he right. might have, and and three is is really his arm strength. But and you hear people say this about guys from college to pro all the time, and I even said about Deshaun Watson, and I was wrong. But I, I would think that Baker Mayfield's a guy that you you don't want to see him do that in the NFL. <laughs> Run and get popped. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think. I, to me, that he's six one two twenty. The way he's officially listed at, I have my questions whether he's six one. Um, but do you really? I mean, 
you don't want this guy going up against NFL safeties like the way he does against college safeties. There's a total difference there. Um, but all that to say, I don't know that there's a person out there who can make a better case for the Heisman Trophy than Baker Mayfield has. I, I just don't see it. I, I mean, I, I, if, if they're still talking about Rosen and Darnold at this point, then that, that, what that tells me is that Mayfield's got it sewn up. So here's my question to you then, sir. Let's go with the traditional four invites to the, to the, uh, to the downtown athletic club. We know Baker's one of the four. Who are your other three guys that you're going to invite? Obviously, just because of the, the stats that he's put up all year long, I, I don't think you can leave out a guy like Bryce Love. It's just extremely difficult to make things, to make things interesting. I also think you invite Lamar Jackson. Former winner. He's okay. obviously going to be voting this year. I think he um, votes for himself. You think so? <laughs> Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Um, I, the fourth spot is really a toss-up. I think you can add anyone in at that fourth spot. You've mentioned a guy like Khalil Tate who could be included in that. Um, I don't know that I would go that way. I don't know that I would invite a fourth person. See, to me, I think the fun becomes more so when you start talking about those other guys that get invites as mm -hmm. opposed to who's going to win it. Really? And I really feel like, I mean, and this sounds like total arrogance, and I'm sorry, but I think it's fact. I, I really feel like you're getting invited to the Baker Mayfield Heisman party. Mm -hmm. You know, so who, who gets to come? I, I, to me, I, I think. Well, I that, think it, you, goes, it goes a little further than that because just by receiving an invite, Sets you up to be a favorite for the next season. Baker Mayfield's graduating. Right. He he's not going to be a finalist. He's not going to be in the top four for for a fourth year right. here. So all of a sudden that that window's open. Does a guy like Saquon Barkley have this monster season next year and take home that award? I mean, it, it's it's possible. Which brings me to one of my my talking points. Who do you if you you've got to invite one? Because mm -hmm. I think you only get one. Are you, are you, is Saquon Barkley coming or is Bryce Love coming? Bryce Love. So Barkley's out. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now you've got Lamar Jackson, which I think probably is not going to get there, but he's one. Do you throw Mason Rudolph a bone? Does he get an invite? If you're inviting two quarterbacks, I, I don't think he does at this point. Um, and that's largely because I, I still would put Lamar Jackson above him. Lamar Jackson is just an incredible athlete all around. What he does with the team that's around him, it's undeniable greatness. Right. And so to just snub a guy who won it last year for a guy who has put up good numbers, nothing extremely eye-popping and impressive, but has put up good, uh -huh. good numbers across the board. Is he the guy I'm bringing? No. So then you're bringing him, basically. I told you. Jackson. Oh, sorry, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, sorry, my, my bad. I, I checked that on you just for a second. Because I'm just one. I mean, I, I don't I don't have a problem with Mason Rudolph getting an invite. I, I don't. And and I, I think when, when you look at what he means to his team, I think he means every bit to Oklahoma State as to what Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson mean to their respective teams. So I've got to backtrack a little bit here. Um, and I gave some wrong information. And no. you, you agreed with it. Um, we said, what was his name? Deshaun Watson got the career award for the, the Heisman. He didn't win it. Marcus Mariota got a career yeah, award. Yeah. Deshaun Watson so did no, not win. Nobody cares about Clemson football anyway. Did not win the Heisman. I was mistaken. Thought that he was given that award. My apologies for giving out wrong information. He was not a Heisman. All right, player. so let's, let's talk defense. Oklahoma with a... Their best, in my opinion, their best defensive performance since the Ohio State game last Saturday in Norman. Um, do you attribute that to new faces? Do you attribute no. that to schematics? What, no. Okay, give me what you attribute. I attribute it to effort. And the reality here is. So wait, wait, wait. So you telling me there's Jordan Thomas is not on the field. Mm -hmm. Trey Norwood is. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with personnel. personnel. No, because because I I don't think the secondary was the most impressive unit performance of the night okay. when watching TCU. The most impressive thing was the defensive line. You look at the lack of rushing yards. We talk about TCU being one of the most balanced offenses, not in the Big 12, but in the country. Oklahoma essentially 
stopped them from running the ball and said, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna force Kenny Hill to throw to win this game. And Kenny Hill was flushed out of the pocket. He was pressured. And the reason I say effort is because we're seeing this defensive line who hasn't been at 100% all year long since uh, losing a guy like Matt Romar. Um, we're seeing a defensive line finally shed blockers. Mm. They're getting into the backfield. It's not taking an extra rush man to put pressure on the quarterback and force him to make a quicker decision than he wants to. It's happening because, and I know there are articles that have been written. This isn't a new idea. It's not an original right. idea. But everyone's talking about Devonta Lampkin currently. He's really assumed that role uh -huh. since being reinstated with the team that Matt Romar vacated with his injury. And so because you're getting that pressure in the middle, it's allowing, you're, you're getting that bull rush straight up the middle with Devonta Lampkin. All of a sudden, we're seeing a guy like um, Okoronkwo have a lot more success on the field, make some big-time plays. He's given us the choo-choo sign every time he makes a play. Right. And it's because he's been freed up since Lampkin's demanding that attention. It's not all – I mean, DJ Ward even had a rundown play. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're talking about, in my opinion, a defensive line that has finally started to find its groove once again. Not the, like the emperor. But it's found its groove – and it's making things happen, which made those young guys in the secondary look good. Because so, they weren't. So let me let me let me put it. Let me. I'm, I'm yes. What you said, yes. Mm -hmm. But here's where the rubber meets the road. Saturday doesn't matter with Kansas, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So against West Virginia, who do you want on the field? Do you want Jordan Thomas or do you want Trey Norwood? I I don't want Jordan Thomas. I, I'm not. So then personnel does matter. Personnel does matter, but okay. it, it wasn't. It didn't have the biggest effect on the game. Okay. For me, you were asking what was the the right, I biggest feel you. I feel you. influencer of the defense, and it was the defensive line. By the way, <laughs> um, ESPN College Football just put out a tweet uh, on the on you know all the one loss teams. Uh, well, not even one loss teams. Uh, between Oklahoma, Auburn, Georgia, and Wisconsin, who deserved for that fourth playoff spot? And again, you know, whatever, with Oklahoma being number four. But uh, Georgia got 13% of the vote. Auburn got 15% of the vote. Wisconsin got 27% of the vote. And Oklahoma got 45% of the vote. My, I want to go back and just one more thing on that. My biggest issue, again, I don't care as long as you're number four. As long as, long as you're top four, I don't care. But I did have an issue with the statement about excusing Clemson's loss to Syracuse because of injury. And when the guy said directly, hey, but Oklahoma didn't have that in their loss to Iowa State. Here's my problem with that. What that tells me is that this committee is not watching football games, but they're watching scores. Because against Iowa State... Oklahoma in the second quarter lost Abdul Adams and C.D. Lamb, and I think it happened on the on the same offensive possession. Both of those guys went out, and you're telling me at the time your top running back and your top receiver. This is before the the resurgence of Rodney Anderson. So you're telling me that didn't make a difference in your offensive game plan when you don't have those two guys. How does the playoff committee not know that? Now you got me. So that's that's my issue. I, I don't care that they're four. I, I really don't. Mm -hmm. But I do care that, the, that the, the head of the committee is saying, well, we know there was an injury with Clemson and their loss, and there was no now, injury with Oklahoma. You, you know who the head of the committee is, right? Did I get it wrong? Who is No, it? no, no. You didn't mention a name. Oh, okay. Or any affiliation. I mean, it's it's the athletic director at Texas Tech. Do you think he's doing a lot of football watching today? Well, I'm just, I mean, but sorry, the, that that's just my little jab. But the, but at, I mean, just the point is, is how do you not, as a collectively, because you've got old guys with Oklahoma ties on that committee. How does not, how does someone not say, oh wait, excuse me? Um, so yes, we get it, we get it. There was an injury for Clemson, but can we please? Talk about the injury that Oklahoma. And so what I'm curious is if there's been backlash this week since that statement came out, and if that maybe is adjusted a little bit if Oklahoma steamrolls and Kansas. It, and it may be. Um, we'll have to and wait, I don't, I don't wait know, for do, Tuesday and see. Do you know who Clemson has this week? I can Google it real fast. 
Oh, they play Florida State, don't they? Isn't it Clemson Florida State this week? This week? No, I thought they played last week. Because that's like a 34-17 win. Yeah, I was out. 31-17 yeah, win. State, uh, they're playing. Oh, my goodness. Don't say Miami. No, Clemson may go down this week. Why? Because they're playing at home against the Citadel. Okay, who has the tougher matchup? Clemson at home against the Citadel or Oklahoma on the road at Oklahoma Kansas? on the road because that's an automatic three-point swing. <laughs> Citadel's 5-5, five and five, baby. 5-5. Five and five. Oh I'm ashamed of myself for even taking time to look that, that up. Um, <laughs> man. Okay, uh, flipping, the, flipping the sides of the ball. Um, Rodney Anderson. I mean, can, can you go back and make this a running back by committee anymore? Or is it just... You've got to go. You've got to ride Rodney Anderson. I don't think you have to, but he's the guy currently who has been the most impressive, and he has clearly been the guy who has shown that he has all of the tools in his tool bag to make plays happen. You don't score four touchdowns against a defense that is of the caliber of TCU, and it not mean anything. Or do you know who was number one against the run going into Saturday night's game in Norman, Oklahoma? TCU. Yeah. Okay. What's crazy to me, um, there there was a play. It was it was Rodney Anderson's third touchdown. Um, the most impressive run that maybe not from him all season, but I'm I'm willing to venture out and say that it was the most impressive run um, after catching the ball. So what we see, Rodney Anderson. I can't even remember now if it was a running play or a pass play. That's how how the how many touchdowns touchdown, he scored. I think the, in the third first touchdown half. was a um, was a running play. Okay, if it was no, a running play, no, the third touchdown was a was a rec- I think he ran twice and then caught two. Did he not? He did. So the third touchdown would have been re- receiving. Okay, so all I remember was this. Hey, it didn't let's matter. Go to the Google. It didn't matter if it was a running touchdown. It didn't matter if it was a receiving touchdown. Here's what I remember from the play: it's, I remember Rodney Anderson with the ball. He turns upfield, and the first thing he sees is a defender. A guy who can make a play on the ball. What does Rodney Anderson do? Well, he lowers his shoulder. Immediately takes that guy out of the play. Breaks the tackle. And as he's getting closer to the goal line, he's obviously met by another guy. But because of the strength, the power, the confidence we're seeing from Rodney Anderson, he burst into the end zone. I think you're talking about a second touchdown run on that one. No, I think it's the third one. No, the third one was the 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 catch in the end zone, back of the end zone. Well, no, he he caught it like on the five. Like over. Oh. And he was kind of rumbling, bumbling, stumbling for those 5 yards. I don't think so, man. Okay, whatever. Are, are you looking it up right now? No, yeah, I've got it. Um, let's see. Austin Seibert, field goal, TCU touchdown, Ronnie Anderson, 15-yard run, Grant Calcaterra. By the way, how how do you call a uh, uh how can you be a professional Sports Cal- broadcaster and and not know how to say Calcutta. I, I, did, did, I mean that's that's got to be on the spotter, but whatever. Calcutta touchdown, whatever. Um, Rodney Anderson twenty four yard touchdown run on his second touchdown of the game, and then he caught two passes for third and fourth. Um, I think you're talking about the second touchdown. I don't think so. Are you actually watching the play now? Because it's it's a pass play, fifteen yards. Swing pass out to the running back. Rodney Anderson hey, that lowers. Was his, that's his third touchdown. By the lowers way. the shoulder. That's what I said. His I third know. one. I just can't remember <laughs> if it was the if it was the running or it was a pass one pass play. Anyway, we we know the answer now. It was a pass play indeed. I've got it here if you want to see it. No, I'm good. I'm okay. good. I'm, okay. I'm good. Okay, so let, let's um uh here's here's something I wanted to, to bring up in conversation with you um. Oklahoma's play calling in the second half, mm-hmm. I've got no problem with it. I've got no problem with them putting the brakes I on know. it. Tell me your thoughts. See, see, this is why I didn't want to have this conversation with you no, no, no. earlier in the week because here, I feel like if I would have just sprung this on you now, you would have been like, dude, I have lots of problems with it. But I, 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 I think now you kind of see my side of the story. I do see your side of the story, but an initial perspective for me was that Oklahoma went extremely conservative. They're up 38 um, I, I don't know what the score was. 38-14, I believe, when they're entering the second half. Um, yeah, I mean, it was 38-14 right. at half. And they got and a so, score 6 nothing in the, in the last so two So Oklahoma quarters. here plays extremely conservative. I take issue with that because, to me, the way that it looked was as if Oklahoma was playing not to lose that game. This is one of the most – okay, let, let, let me walk that back because 
I'm going to go ahead and put the label. Let me just throw this out there. You can't play not to lose when you're up 38 to 14. Yeah, you can. No, you can't. You're up 38 to 14. How many comebacks have happened? Go to Mike Gundy playing Texas in Austin. That's playing not to lose. When it is a one-score game and you're running the ball 53 times because you're afraid you can't contain their pass rush, that's playing not to lose. When you're when you're up 38 to 14 and you know most likely three weeks from now you're playing this team again, you don't show them anything else. I get that's where the equation changes. Because here's what's going to happen. Going into Arlington, Texas, TCU is going to have to say, dang, how do we stop Rodney Anderson? Mm-hmm. And then you unleash – Calcutta, <laughs> you, you unleash all the other weapons. And so you, there's no need oh, to do that. Goodness. There's no need to do other, anything other than off-tackle left, off-tackle right. Bring it in because you like what your defense is doing. You have mm-hmm. confidence in your defense. I'm sorry Oklahoma fans got bored in the third and fourth quarter, but that, <laughs> I think the Sooners made up for that in the first and second quarter. I mean, for crying out loud, Rodney Anderson scores four touchdowns in two quarters mm-hmm. That's enough for uh, two games for some people. I mean, I, I'm okay. I'm Here, completely, I don't think you can say they're playing not. They're playing not to lose. I'm telling you, that's the way it looked to me. But you can't. And, and I, as I'm sitting there watching it live, you can't say that. As I'm sitting there watching it live, that's the way that it appears. Is all of a sudden it's week one against whoever Oklahoma played this year. It's like playing Tulane again. They just go conservative. Well, and like I said, to me, be, I have to go back to a statement that was made. Um, and I think I bring this up every single week now. And it's it's that Lincoln Riley has consistently said, I'm going to call plays that win us the game. I'm going to do what and I – And he called every single one of them in the first 30 minutes of the game. <laughs> I Like I said, Matt, initially to me, it was conservative play calling. It was scaling back, and this is where I was going to go. Oklahoma, I was going to put this label on there and make it official. Oklahoma has the most explosive offense in the country. No one no one can touch them when it comes to the offensive and, side of the ball. And so when you go from 38 points and a half to zero? Oklahoma could have – Zero. Okay, but listen. Oklahoma could have – Easily scored fifty plus points, in and that they game. should have. No, they apparently should. style okay. points you, matter because we're still buying Clemson. <laughs> okay, but, but do you not agree that TCU is a dangerous team? They are. So it's kind of like poking the hornet's nest. Do I mean, it. Do, do you want it? Do you want it? Knowing that was your night, knowing you had the crowd behind you, knowing that TCU was at an extreme disadvantage, knowing that you could have named your score. Do you want that kind of festering in them for three weeks before you go into Arlington, which, by the way, is a lot closer to Fort Worth, Texas than Norman, Oklahoma? Or do you want to just say, hey, we're calling off the dogs. We've got more tricks up our sleeves, and they're just going to have to wait three more weeks to figure out what they are. Because if I'm Gary Patterson, who is a defensive-minded guy, I'm thinking, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap. Because I couldn't even stop Rodney Anderson. They didn't have to use Baker Mayfield. They didn't have to use Marquise Brown. They didn't even have to use Mark Andrews. Well, Marquise Brown did have a big catch in the first but half. But what I'm saying is they, the Rodney Anderson was the guy. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know if you're going to play them again on turf in Arlington, you know that you can't just sit there and key on Rodney Anderson. You cannot build your defensive game plan around Rodney Anderson. And that's what makes this team so dangerous, and that's what's going to have Gary Patterson pulling his hair out because he doesn't know what other tricks Lincoln Riley has up his sleeve. And the more you open up that playbook in this third and fourth quarter unnecessarily, the more you give him film, and the guy is a stinking defensive genius. And I don't want to give him film on anything other than what he's already got. I was going to ask that question. You're telling me the games against Oklahoma State, the games against Baylor – you, you Offensively, know, you, you, they, yeah, they didn't scheme. show anything? No, they showed a lot. But you scheme for the skill set you're up against. Every t- We've talked about this. And when you go up against a defense, you know what weakness is. You, you know we're going to attack right here. This is our spot. And for TCU, there's multiple spots. And you don't want to pick – you don't want to expose those. Because you, Gary Patterson, and he's smart enough to know they're going to come at me with more stuff in Arlington. But he has no idea what it is. And yeah, you got play. You know, you have one set 
And you may be able to run five or six plays out of that set. Well, maybe maybe TCU only saw two or three plays out of that set. And so there's two or three more plays still in that set that they've got to try to account for. I just I just think I think from a from a psyche standpoint, it's better for Oklahoma. I think from a confidence standpoint, it's better for Oklahoma. And I definitely think from a strategic standpoint, it's better for Oklahoma. And like I said, I'm sorry Oklahoma fans paid $100 plus per ticket and got bored in the second half. But the reality <laughs> is, OU did everything they needed to do Saturday night to make their statement. Yeah. <laughs> They did. You're right. I, I completely agree that they made a statement. It's why they're in the top four this week. But not good enough. Because it's not good enough because this <laughs> okay. is Oklahoma. Uh, let, let's, let's step outside of football for just a second. Um, jump into basketball. Do we need to be excited about Trey Young? Absolutely. Trey Young is clearly showcasing why he was one of the top talents in the nation and why he could have played anywhere that he wanted to. There in this the most recent game that they played against Ball State, you see Trey Young looks so natural on the court with the ball in his hands, especially when he's working to get an open look or attempting to make something happen for a teammate. Um, there's a specific play that got a lot of attention recently, and it's Trey Young kind of dancing around at the three-point line. Mm-hmm. When nothing opens up for him, what does he do? Well, he, he steps back three feet, knocks down a jumper from the top of the key like it was nothing. Right. Trey Young is one of those types of talents, and he's he's the talent that's going to make everything easier for a guy like Kadeem Latin. He's going to open the game up for a guy, another freshman, Brady Manick. We're going to see this team, and I think they're going to exceed – a lot of expectations. I'm glad you mentioned Brady Manning because I feel like had it not been for Trey Young, Brady Manning would be he would be all the rage right now. There would be so many people talking about Brady Manning, and, and that's not a takeaway from Trey Young because Trey Young, what do you have? 14 assists, 13, 13 assists, 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Sooners, I think you know their first two games of the season, they scored 108 points, but. When you look at what Brady Manning's doing, particularly... Which, by the way, do you know the last time that happened? I saw this in on back Twitter. back-to-back or just... Cause yeah, I the, their first two games they've scored over 100 uh, uh, points. Hit me, up. Well, hit me with it. I don't know if it was first two games, but where they've done it back-to-back. All right, hit, hit. 2001. You know who was on that team? 2001 mm-hmm. would have been Hollis Price, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Did I get a high five for that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, um, let me find Brady Manning here. Dude is... Uh, he's playing 47 minutes... He's 11 of 15 from the floor. Mm-hmm. Five of eight from three-point range. I mean, after, you know, 27 points scored in the season. How far can this team go? When, when, you, when, you, when you talk about challenging for the Big 12, mm-hmm. I, I'm not ready to say, man, they're up there with Kansas. I, I'm not ready to do right. that yet. But I, I definitely think I definitely think this is a better team than what we saw last year. I think Oklahoma is going to end the season – where they started it. Um, and that's as a fringe as a fringe top 25 oh, team gotcha. who, okay, okay. who makes the tournament. Oklahoma is, is a very talented team. We're just not 100% cert- certain what we're getting out of the freshmen, right. and specifically Brady Manning. You know, these are cupcake teams, if you will. They're, oh, for sure. They're it, teams, it gets real next week. Right. These are teams that you're expected to beat. Oklahoma traveling to the PK-80 up in Portland, Oregon. It'll be the first time that they're playing away from home as this subset of starters. We're going to see what's going to happen. But I think the X factor this year for Oklahoma is going to be Christian James because I'm going to borrow, I can't remember who stated this initially, but it said it was this idea that Christian James had an imposter on campus last year and nobody knew who he was. Well, the real Christian James has reappeared. He was leading Oklahoma in scoring for most of the night. Obviously, he didn't finish that way. But Christian James, if he can continue on this scoring streak that he that he's currently put together, mm-hmm. I think again he can be the X factor, and he'll well, he will be the deciding factor in how good Oklahoma is I, in the I twelve. Think, I think Christian James is a Scotty Pippen who needs a Michael Jordan. You know what? Think about when he had Buddy. He's Hill. a facilitator. Yeah, when yeah. he had Buddy Hill, he was excellent. Then last year, as as the guy, I don't know that he was quite ready for that. Mm-hmm. Now you got Trey Young. He's back to being who he is. Right. But, you know, Oklahoma Thanksgiving Day, they're going to play Arkansas, and then most likely waiting for them after that Arkansas game is North Carolina. 
If they if they beat Arkansas. Who? Who's that? Yeah. Are they exactly. any good? Uh, they may be. I don't know. We'll find out. Um, okay, so, I mean, it's, it's way too early on this. By the way, Phil Knight being 80 years old just kind of stresses yeah. me out a little bit. It doesn't um, stress me out. It's, it's creepy. <laughs> Oklahoma at Kansas, redeeming quality to this game. Let me tell you the matchup you want to watch. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Do you know what Doran's Armstrong is? Do I know the name? Yeah. Sorry. Defensive I apologize. Defense. This is there. Here's a. I mean, if you're if you're a true blue Oklahoma football fan, you're gonna watch this game just because you bleed crimson and cream. But if you're looking for a reason to check into this game, your matchup is gonna be Dorrance Armstrong against Orlando Brown. Dorrance Armstrong is the defensive end for the Kansas Jayhawks. Listen, man, he's gonna be a second or a third round. No, I'm NFL not laughing at that. Pick. I was reading something. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, he's, he's gonna be a second or third round pick, and whether he's going up against. Orlando Brown on one side or Bobby Evans on the other side. I think this is a matchup worth taking note of because there's not going to be a lot else to watch on this game. And by the way, if you were if you were tired of vanilla football in the second half of the TCU game, you may want to check out of this out of this one. But uh, that Dorrance Armstrong versus Orlando Brown or Bobby Evans, whichever side they line him up on, I think is going to be worth worth uh, looking into. Other than that. Not a whole lot going to be happy. I got nothing. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and throw my point. Uh, what, what's Oklahoma favorite in that game? You know? Point spread-wise? Yeah, yeah. Point spread-wise. I think it is 32. I don't think they're going to cover. Oh, 37. You were close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was in think, the 30s. I don't think it even covers. They may not. And it's not because no. it's not because they're not capable. Mm-hmm. I think you go out there and you get a five-touchdown lead, and then you cruise. I, mean, I, I see how you win this game somewhere around 35 points. Which you is, give your starters a little bit of time off. Yeah, I, we, we should see Kyler Murray. We should see um, – you, you should see the whole stable back. So let me ask you this then. When it comes to the secondary, do you rest these true freshmen? Mm. Norwood, yeah, Brown, no, those guys, those guys need Sylvie. Every, no, 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 no. Those guys need every rep they can get. I mean, every rep they can get. If, if mm. you're going to lean on these guys potentially going to the playoffs – Does that does that apply to Kenneth Murray? Well, because Kent he's Murray's been a starter from day one. Yeah, yeah. Keith Murray's a guy you can bring off the field, okay. but, but if you're these guys, just curious, yeah, no, just no. curious. Yeah, Keith Murray's kind of earned his stripes, so to speak. But if Norwood, I mean, Norwood's played and Brown has played, but if you, if these are the guys you're saying, hey, we don't know when Jordan Thomas is coming back, we don't know what this, what the, you know, what the extent of his injury is and then recovery time, you've got to get Norwood and Brown. They they've got to get every snap they can get. Because they're freshmen, you know, mm-hmm. and they're just now jumping in there. But I, I would be shocked. I'm even going to say if, if, if Baker Mayfield plays in the third quarter, it's not going the way Oklahoma wanted to go. Not, not that they're in risk of losing this game, but it's just not going down that way. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and throw my, my point prediction out there. I got 49-14 Oklahoma. We'll get yours here in just a minute. But I think again, I think this is you, you get a you get a five touchdown lead and then you start trying things out with these guys. Let's talk through the Big 12 rundown uh, this weekend because the big game that I think everyone's going to be watching, TCU at Texas Tech, that game starts at 11 a.m., and there's a lot on the line in this game. If you're TCU, you've got to overcome this obstacle to get to to Arlington, Texas. If you're Oklahoma State, you become the biggest Texas Tech Cliff Kingsbury fan out there, by the way. Uh, Texas Tech sitting at five and five on the season. They they need to pick up two more wins, or excuse me, one more win in two games to be bowl eligible. Two more wins to finish the season above five hundred. The TCU this weekend, and then um, and then at Texas to close it out the day after Thanksgiving. Give me your thoughts on this game because there's some people who are actually picking Texas Tech with the upset here. I don't see it, but I don't. I don't either. Thoughts. Texas Tech has proven. Despite the 4-0 start, that they are the team many expected them to be. So when it comes to TCU, you talk about the speedy defenders that they have. Of course, Texas Tech is known for throwing the ball. I think they're going to attempt to do that on TCU, and I think it's going to prove costly for them in that TCU will easily win that turnover battle and will run away with the game. And when I say run away, I'm not saying like a 40-point win over here, but I I think they win that one comfortably. I see a 10-14 to point win for TCU. This game notoriously is close, Mm -hmm. and I think people are giving Texas Tech a little bit of a nod because it's, it's in Lubbock. But, I mean, think about this. This is a TCU team that's already gone to Oklahoma State, and they've won. And I think 
Boone Pickens is very comparable to what you get out at uh, Jones Stadium in, in Lubbock, Texas. They've already, they were just in Norman. I don't see any way TCU is overwhelmed by the crowd uh, in West Texas. And I don't even know that you see a, a sellout crowd in West Texas, especially at an 11 a.m. game. How big is this game for Cliff Kingsbury? Is this the make-or-break game, or is it the next week against Texas? Man, I, I don't know. Because if um, you lose this game, suddenly you're staring five and seven square in the face. You are, and the reality is, I don't know that many, well, from my standpoint, I don't know that I expect them to beat TCU. Right. I can't speak for anybody else, uh-huh. but I feel as though I would be in the majority when I make that claim. Now, do, with- you, do you beat a TCU team? Probably not. Texas is that make or break for me then. But here, here's my point on this. You you lose to TCU. Mm-hmm. How much fight do you have left in you? Not much. Well, I, I take I mean, that back because you're, you, you you're, are you're playing sitting, for bowl eligibility. Yeah, but you're sitting at five and six, two mm-hmm. and six in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. And you're going up against a Texas team. The strength of who they are is running the football. And you can't stop my grandma from running on you. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I think this is it. I think I think this is the weekend Texas Tech circles the wagons, which may be a, a reason why. By the way, tickets are available for this game for as low as thirty dollars. Um, that is a free publicity thing that I see there on ESPN. All right, other eleven o'clock game: Texas at West Virginia. I'm interested in this game because it's the same deal. You know, um, Longhorns at five and five. They got to win one of their last two. Mm-hmm. To be bowl eligible, they've got to win. You know, they've got to win out to to guarantee you finishing above five hundred. West Virginia, I think, you know, that they, West Virginia at five and two, they're still they're they're in this this area of they're not the top of the Big Twelve, they're not the bottom of the Big Twelve. But over the next two weeks, we could see them begin to make that slide a little bit lower. And I think this is a big game for Dana Holgerson. Thoughts? I think the rest of the season the big game for Dana Holgerson. Well, there's only two games left. Yeah, and I get that, but you look at, at what they're playing for. Well, you two look games at, plus a bowl, but it's you Texas and Oklahoma. They're, who they're against. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma have been the staple of the Big 12. West Virginia enters in. I, Matt, I, I, go, they, ahead, go, ahead, let, go ahead. Can I rephrase it for you? Texas in 1996. And, Texas and Oklahoma are the biggest names. Okay. The most I, recognizable, okay, most okay, recognizable names. All right. In the Big 12. And so wins over them typically tend to have a little more weight right. to them. Obviously, I mean, playing Oklahoma on the road is is extremely difficult for West Virginia. So, yeah, I, Dana Holgerson I don't think is in trouble for his job. Oh, I do. I don't. I do. I think 7-5. I, I don't five, at all. I think 7-5 and five and people are – because when has West Virginia – this is a team that went from winning the Big East – to struggling to be just middle tier. But West Virginia in the Big 12 has never been that team that you think, man, these are the, these are the guys that can win the championship. They've been close, but then they always kind of take that slide down. I think Dana Holgerson is um, close to being on the Cliff Kingsbury type of thin ice. Not that he's going to get fired this mm-hmm. year, but I think 7-5 and five this year. I think you lose to Texas, you lose to Oklahoma. Next year Matt, makes it the how, same year for Dana Holgerson. How can you say that? What is Dana the, Holgerson And here's done? the thing is I think there's some leniency with Dana Holgerson because this is potentially the best conference in the country for you to – when you're going up against ranked opponents in, inside the top ten. Let, let me tell you why you're wrong. Can I tell you why you're wrong? Go for it. You know what West Virginia did in 2008? Before they were in the Big 12? I'm just saying, you know what they did January of 2008? I do, and we don't have to relive that. Well, I'm just saying. The, that was a, also once-in-a-lifetime team. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is you <laughs> you have – you've been there. You, you've been to the Orange Bowl. You've been to the Fiesta Bowl. This is a team and a program that went to BCS Bowl games mm-hmm. before joining the Big 12. And the same thing with TCU. TCU won the Rose Bowl. They were expected to be competitive coming in to the Big 12. TCU has done that. They shared a a Big 12 championship with Baylor three years ago, two years ago, whatever it is. West Virginia has never experienced that. And the reason why is you have a different coach. 
Bill Stewart or whatever his name was, you know, God rest his soul, who, who coached that team in 2008, <laughs> he was shoved out the door by Dana Holgerson, and Dana Holgerson has not gotten this program back to where they were in 2008. And so, I can't believe you just crossed yourself. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, man. Good little Catholic. Uh, I mean, they, think about it, dude. But seriously, uh, they they threw him out the door, and then he died. I mean, there's got to be something there. Someone's going, okay, well, at least he won the Fiesta Bowl. At least he beat Oklahoma. What has Dana Holgerson done? To say, I mean, Gary Patterson had a bad season last year. Nobody thought of it. Nobody thought another another second about it because he bounced back this year and he's going to play for a Big 12 championship. Dana Holgerson has not achieved the level that Mike Gundy has in Stillwater. Why why would he not be in, in hot water if they're 7 and 5? I just don't see it, Matt. Okay. I, I just don't see it. I don't have a concise reason to give you, I'm not but saying. I think I think there are a lot of worse options. That West Virginia could bring in. Well, and that that's a discussion you and I always have when we talk about actually, coaches. You know what? I'm I'm I, I need to correct something. I'm I'm going back in my memory bank. I think it was Rich Rod who coached that 2018. May have been. But I think he left, and Bill Stewart was the interim coach. And here's what I'm. I think Bill Stewart was the interim coach. They won that game, and then Bill Stewart was named as the head coach. I'm pretty sure that's the way that went down. But the case in point is, I don't think. I don't think Holgerson gets fired by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it sets up next year, 2018, to be a make-or-break year for him. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Where this was a make-or-break year for Kingsbury, I think next year is a make-or-break for, for Holgerson. We'll see. All right. Um, Iowa State at Baylor, the Cyclones, and you know, the party's over. Mm-hmm. The clock has struck midnight for Iowa State, 6-4. and four. Baylor got that one win, but then they got throttled last week at home against the Cyclones. Who you got in this game? Iowa State all the way. By the way, did you pick a winner between Texas and, and West Virginia? I didn't. Who you got? I I'm gonna go ahead and and take West Virginia. Okay, I was like, please take Texas. Please I'm gonna go ahead and take right. take West Virginia in that one. Uh, Kansas State at Oklahoma State again. One of those one of those games that's just traditionally it's a tight game between these two programs. Do you see a tight game at home in Stillwater? Cowboys are a twenty point favorite. Over who, remind me? Kansas State. Okay. Man, I don't know. I don't know that this year's close. And the real reason is Oklahoma State still has a lot to play for here. Uh-huh. Where, I, right. Whereas Kansas State, not so much. Yeah, if you're Oklahoma State, you definitely can't afford to mm-hmm. trip up here because you got to win, but you mm-hmm. also need TCU to win. Right, and the reality is that Oklahoma State can – They've still got a shot to play in the Big 12 championship. Well, so I need TCU to lose. Sorry, not to win. But, TCU but to they've lose. also got a real possibility of being number two in the Big 12 and taking that second right. or that, that lead bowl spot, essentially. Yeah, they, they can, they can there's, end up. There's still right, a lot exactly. to play for for Oklahoma State. Exactly. Um, they can end up somewhere other than the Alamo Bowl, which seems to have been their home forever. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so do you think they cover a 20-point spread against the Wildcats? I'm just going to dive right in. So, yep, they I sure do. I do, too. And here's they the reason sure why, do. because I don't think Kansas State can match the points. I think the Wildcats are down to, like, the third-string quarterback now. That um, sounds like Iowa State out there. So, <laughs> all right, so that leads us Oklahoma at Kansas, mm-hmm. 2.30 kickoff, ESPN. I've already said 49-14. Give me your score prediction. I'm going to go um, – I, I completely agree with you in that you get a comfortable lead. You put it on cruise control. Let a lot of – Younger guys get that experience, or a lot of players on the two deep get that experience, knowing that you obviously have players graduating, others who will declare for the draft early. Essentially, what I'm looking at is is Oklahoma. I'm not going to say 49. I'm just going to say 42. Um, but I'm only going to give Kansas 10. All right, uh, I got a couple of garbage time garbage time touchdowns for the Jayhawks. Mark Thompson says on Facebook. Love it when you guys get heated. Landon O'Neill says either way, Anderson is a Heisman contender next year. Interesting thought. I think I think it's too early to talk about that, but is it though? what he's done the last month? He's definitely yeah, put himself if, on the if, radar. If Anderson comes back with the same level of tenacity that we've seen over this past month, this four game stretch of a hundred yards yeah. isn't gonna disappear. For sure. Definitely is a different back than we saw in mm-hmm. September. 
but has become the guy we thought Oklahoma was getting. Well, and talk talk about the complete package for sure. Because I and coming into the season, I went on record saying Abdul Adams was the most complete back right on the roster. No, I think everybody was there with that. They'll compete for time, but what happens with Trey Sermon at that point? And that, I mean, Trey Sermon's a freshman. He is. And again, Oklahoma that's, has that. That's prime transfer territory. Oklahoma has that. Um, but they, they've done a good job with two backs is what I'm saying. Uh, but I, Abdul I, Adams isn't going but anywhere. I, I, think, I think. He's a sophomore. Yeah, but here's the thing. I think Adams is starting to get a little more in the doghouse with fumble problems. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm looking at, I think Sutton, who I think was going to play on Saturday, I think you're going to see a lot of Sutton in the second half. Um, but I really feel like, I feel like this sets it up for the spring to be a fantastic running back battle. And I think someone, if someone's going to transfer, it's going to be after the spring. And I would expect that to be someone like Sutton. And I, I really think this sets up for a one-two punch with, with Sermon. And you don't think so? I don't think Sutton goes anywhere. I think this sets up for a one-two punch between Anderson and Sermon. And mm-hmm. then you got a good backups between Abdul Adams and Marcellus Sutton. But to me, the guy I'm putting money on is uh, – <laughs> Mark Thompson's cracking me up. Um, the, the guy I'm putting money on is um, – uh, Sutton to transfer out. Hey, we're out of time. Heartland-sports.com. We've got Oklahoma City Thunder coverage, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. It's all going to be there. Hey, thanks, guys, on Facebook for listening and checking in with us. He's Rich. I'm Matt. Have a fantastic weekend, and we'll be back next week. Thanksgiving week next week. Turkey time. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.